0: Say thank you, um, Robin, for confirming to us once again that faith and science can go together. <laughs> it's true, very true. Faith and science, yes. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, I am the oldest child, an oldest child. Any oldest child? Any oldest oldest here? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, little. Uh, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I have one, I just have one sibling, a younger sister um, Now there's some advantages to being the oldest child You know, you get, you get privileges and responsibilities before every, uh, the other siblings uh, You get your parents all to yourself for a while Even though you probably don't remember that um, No hand-me-downs, you know, that's kind of cool There are a few advantages Yet what's hard really about being the oldest in many ways is You're the guinea pig, right? You're the guinea pig kid. You know, parents are fig, try, just trying to figure out all the things that they're supposed to do in the right way, and, it's, and, it's, and it can be really difficult. Yet, I really think that the most difficult thing about being the oldest child, really, and as I reflect back in my life, too, is to not having the benefit of an older sibling to look to for an example, And it's an example of not only what not to do, because I know a lot of people have said, wow, I turned out good because I didn't do what my older sibling did," but also some things on what to do, how they handled pressures, how they handled different things in life. So it's hard when you don't have that um, example. Now in this morning's passage that we're going to be looking at, um, you and I, what we're going to see is something that you and I benefit tremendously from, due to the example that Jesus gave us while he was going through an excruciatingly difficult an experience. And really, what we're going to see is something that's a really it's a game changer when it comes to learning how to endure and how to grow in our faith. And once again, I came to a passage that was going to be really long and felt like the Lord saying, shrink that down and and focus that. So we're going to focus a little bit uh, instead of what we're going to do. So our series is going a little bit longer in Matthew. It's only going 10 years now. So uh, (laughs) no, we will be done by Easter. So that'll, that'll work. So, so, so last week, what we saw last week, we looked at Matthew's account of Jesus standing trial before the governor, Pilate. Remember that? Now, he was standing there and trumped up charges that he had slandered or that he had insulted God. And we saw that persuaded by the crowd and by, by, I mean by the religious leaders, the crowd was demanding the death of Jesus and the release of Barabbas, okay, this freedom fighter, Barabbas. Now, in order to appease, appease the crowd and the religious leaders and against, member against his wife's better judgment, uh, why it was her, she had a, some little uh, problems and she was being destroyed. So against his better judgment, he goes ahead and uh, goes with what the crowd uh, wants to do here and, he, and what he does, he gives in to their uh, wishes. Now, this judicial process is over. This is where we are now. The whole judicial process is over and it's time for the sentence to be carried out. So let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter seven, verse 27. Okay. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and they put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews and they spit on him and they took the reed and struck him on the head and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put on his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Now, remember, we've already seen that Jesus was, remember, he was physically abused, and he was mocked and all that by the religious leaders during that initial trial that he had with them. Now that the Roman trial is over, the governor's soldiers take over where they left off. And they do the same, yet even with much, a much greater degree. Now, you got to understand here, this is the scene here, I want you to picture in your head possibly what this looked like is picture possibly up to 600 Roman soldiers at the, major, at the main headquarters here surrounding Jesus and unleashing their, their anger and their brutality and their cruel, violent mockery at him. Just kind of imagine, put yourself in that scene for a second. Remember, this is the son of God. You know, why is he allowing this? When we talked about this last week, why is he allowing himself to just be mocked like this? Because remember, back, back in the garden of Gethsemane, remember when they came to arrest Jesus, the crowds came, and one of Jesus' disciples, when they came, approached, whacked off the, the high priest's servant's ear. Remember that happened? And, and Jesus says, put that away, put that away. And not in Matthew's gospel, but one of the other other gospels. What he says to him is says, "Hey, you don't need to do that. You know what I could do? I could actually appeal to my father right now, and he would send tens of thousands of angels and just destroy all these guys. You don't need a sword." You know, so he could have done that. This is still his ability to be able to do it. So he's taking this scourging and he's taking this stuff. So once again, on your little notes that I, I handed out there, if you want to fill out the paper, if you need one, uh, raise your hand. Elias can get you one of those in the back if you need a sheet. It says, so number one here, like we saw last week, the point is Jesus went through this taking upon himself the punishment we deserved for our sin and rebellion in order that a holy God would see us as righteous. We talked about this last week. This is why, and I I wanted to say that because we got to remember why he's enduring this. There's a very good reason that he's doing this, okay? So that God could see us as righteous. He knew this was part of the deal. I think sometimes we think about, we think, oh, Jesus, oh yeah, remember, he was partly God, so he was probably, it wasn't that hard for him. No, remember, he was 100% human. He was not partly God, he was 100% God, 100% human. So all the emotions, all the difficulties, all the things that we would have experienced during that time, he experienced it as well. Well, We now look at how Matthew, he's now going to go on to describe the details surrounding Jesus' crucifixion. Like I said, we're not going to get through it all today. We're just going to look at the beginning part. So let's look at verse 32. It says, As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink and mixed it with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put a charge against him, which read, this is is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on the left. Now, typically the condemned person would normally carry the crossbeam of the cross with them to the crucifixion site, yet most likely because of the beating that Jesus had gone through and all that he all that physical abuse he had taken by that member. He was in this guard, the headquarters of the guard. So could you imagine, especially, here's a guy who's claiming that people are calling him he's king better than Caesar, above Caesar. Can you imagine how these guards must have been relentless on him? No wonder he could not carry his cross out there. So they commandeer this guy named Simon to take it with him. Next we see um, Jesus refuses this drink, okay? This drink, people really don't know exactly what it was all about. Most likely it was meant to ease or dull the pain uh, about what, from what Jesus was about to experience it. Um, yet he refuses. He does it, he tastes it, and he realizes, wait, wait, I don't want to do that. I, I think a lot of people think that he was doing this because he knew what was coming, and he wanted to have his faculties all intact for what was coming up. That's a tough, that, that, once again, remember being completely human? Thinking, oh, I'd like to dull this pain a little bit because I know what's coming. He's like, no, I, I, know, I know the big picture here. I know the big picture. I want to experience this To its full extent. Yeah, here's for me when I was reading this, and I think this is why I end up shortening what I initially planned on talking about. I think what stands out to me in these verses is really Matthew's very (laughs) brief description of the actual crucifixion you think about it, very little is actually said about the scourging that he goes through, the process of the crucifixion. I mean, typically when, when I think, especially when I think of the crucifixion, I go to, I go to Mel Gibson, right? I think, about, I, think, I think about that powerful movie that moved so many of us when we saw that. I know it moved me to tears. And we think about that as being, and so we think, yeah, when we think of the crucifixion, that's what we think about. But Matthew doesn't go there. He doesn't, really go, he doesn't really go there at all. He just, it's just a quick mention, and they take him out to crucify him. Interesting. What, Matt, number two on your notes, what Matthew seems to want to emphasize, at least to me here, along with in the remaining verses we're going to look at this morning, is not so much the physical abuse that Jesus endures, which is significant. It is significant. But the amount of mockery and ridicule he endures. That seems to be the emphasis of Matthew here. And let's let's look at this. Let's just kind of look at how this all plays out here. First, we see, number three, the soldiers. Okay, the soldiers. And really, they're not necessarily overtly mocking Jesus. In a sense, they're kind of just really doing their job, right? But really, their complete, number three, insensitivity to his suffering is a mockery and an insult of the reality of who? Who he truly is. They're like, whatever. We're gonna do what we normally do. We're gonna I'm gonna roll some dice for these guys' clothes. I'm gonna, you know, whatever. So that that's where that's one, the soldiers. Next is number four. Next we see they display for all to see this so-called crime against him now surely this was meant to mock him it said king of the Jews they would not put something up there that said this is a king and we're crucifying him for sure he is this was to obviously to mock him and to ridicule his claim of being the messiah and to dissuade anyone from ever challenging Roman power okay so this is another form of the mockery that he took Number five on your note says, to literally add insult to injury, we see his, he's crucified between two criminals. And this does not done alone. He's in the place where who should be. Talked about this last week. Brad, we know, we know who should be in his place. It's obvious, the one that they let go, the guy that was in charge of that whole insurrection that happened. That's amazing. The God of the universe is splayed out with common criminals for all to see. What a picture. What an incredible picture that is. Yet that's not the end of the mockery and ridicule. You'll get ridicule. Look at verses 39 and 40. He says, And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Now we see here, number six, passerbyers. buyers. I don't even know if that's a word, but passerbyers, <laughs> <laughs> buyers, buyers are mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Okay. Cause remember back, this is, we looked at this about a month ago. Remember back when Jesus cleansed the temple of all the money changers and the religious leaders came to him and said, Hey, you need to give us a sign about what authority you're doing this, okay? Why do you think you could do this? Remember, Jesus replied, he, said, he just simply said, destroy the temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Now, we know, we talked about, he was referring to himself and that he is greater than the temple, much greater than the temple. So he was referring to himself that after he dies, he will be raised again in three days. Yet they misinterpreted his words as to meaning that he was going to actually destroy the actual temple. This is why they're mocking him. I mean, if you, if you could supposedly rebuild this magnificent temple in three days, and if you really are the son of God, then come on down. Can you just, can you just hear it? Come on down. You, you, you said it. Come on. I love that that line in the song that you say um, I hear my mocking voice. I never no, you know you I never noticed that line in the song. I asked Robin to sing that song this morning, but I never noticed that long that that line. Behold I hear not the crowd my mocking voice. So, before we get too high and mighty ever, we would have done the same thing. That's what this is telling us. We would have done the same thing. That's a sinful nature. We would have done the very same thing. So, this is what he's dealing with here. Picture it group after group person after person, hurling insults and mocking him and ridiculing Jesus. First at this the headquarters with all these Roman soldiers, and then in front of everybody where he's totally vulnerably hanging, most likely naked, in front of everybody getting all this. And he's an, on top of that, he's in excruciating pain. You guys, this was the ultimate in public shaming. It was the ultimate public shaming, and that's what it was meant to do. It was meant to do this. Shame is a brutal thing, isn't it? Shame is brutal. It is an absolutely terrible feeling. I was going to say, has anybody ever felt shame before? (laughs) I realized, whoa, whoa, take out the take out. Has anybody? We've all felt shame. What it's like to feel shame is because shame is terrible because it causes a person to feel that there's something wrong with us. What's wrong with me? Shame is, feeling, is feelings and thoughts that were somehow wrong, we're defective, we're inadequate, we're not good enough, we're not strong enough. That's what shame does to us. And that's what was the intended outcome of public crucifixion. And Jesus, in the most powerful way, experienced the full force of public shaming. I want you to listen to what John Piper has to say about this. Concerning the shame that Jesus endured. Listen to what he says. Shame was stripping away every earthly support that Jesus had. His friends gave way in shaming abandonment. His reputation gave way in shaming mockery. His decency gave way in shaming nakedness. His comfort gave way in shaming torture. His glorious dignity gave way to the utterly undignified, degrading reflexes of grunting and groaning and screeching. Wow. Wow. Yet notice the religious leaders. It's interesting what they have to say here. The religious leaders and the criminals, they boast that if Jesus came down from the cross, they would believe. Do you think that's true? I think if jesus jesus all of a sudden went okay let's come on you think they would have believed i don't i don't think they would i doubt they really would because jesus had already performed many incredible miracles including what raising people from the dead he had already showed what he could do but number eight the truth is they wanted faith on their own terms They wanted faith on their own terms, yet the reality is that faith on our own terms isn't faith at all. It's just not. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us what true faith is. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Number nine on your notes, the true, the true faith is ultimately putting our hope not in what we can see or even completely understand, but believing that everything God, and this is an important word, that God has promised, that is ultimately for our good, for our glory, and according to His will, will happen. What? Oh, yeah, that's not good. Sorry. It's up there. Oh, I said it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, God, don't, don't listen to me. <laughs> I'm just God's mouthpiece. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And for his glory, it will happen. I spoke in chapel this this Friday to the middle schoolers and then the high schoolers. We talked about that here at the school here. And we talked about this very thing, how this is what brings us hope. This is the hope that we have. This is what our faith is built on. This truth that everything that God has promised that is ultimately for our good and his glory and according to his will, it will happen. No doubt about it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, a lot of times we have a different idea of what is good (laughs) and what is for His glory and what is according to His will, don't we? That's why knowing Him is so intimately, is so important. We have many examples of this. The good thing is, even in that chapter where in uh, Hebrews, where he says, uh, that verse where he says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for and the conviction fiction of things unseen. The cool thing is, if you go back, you know what, you know what, people, if you've been in church a long time, what they call Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the, the what is it, the Faith Hall of Fame kind of thing. And he lit, goes on to list a bunch of people. Well, let me show you what that, what that looks like. He says, By faith, Abel offered a pleasing saf- sacrifice to the Lord. He said, I know what i was supposed to give and I'm going. To give it by faith Noah built an ark when I think a lot of people don't realize most people I don't think they even knew what rain was back then but he still did it he made this ark because there was going to be a flood what a nut by faith Abraham left his home God said go I want you to go he didn't say well if you give me you know Spell it out. Let me see. How's it going to work? How are the finances going to work out? How are we going to eat? How are we going to make it? How far is it going to be? Can the kids get that? I'll go. He said, I'll go. Let's go. He didn't even know where. And then what did he do later on? By faith, the son that he'd been praying for for so long, God said, go kill him. Sacrifice him to me. Well, how is the lineage going to go then? I don't understand how we're going to keep this lineage of mine going. You promised, no, I'm just going to go. I don't get it. I don't understand it. That's what he's saying here. See, the religious leaders claimed that they, they, believe, they would believe in Jesus, or who he is, if, he were, if they were to see him come off the cross. That wasn't going to happen. Because that to them, that's what would make sense to them. They were looking for what would make sense. It had to make sense. You see, to the world, the shame of the cross makes absolutely no sense. People like to wear the cross, and they like to think about Jesus and celebrate the holidays and stuff like that. But how often do we celebrate the shame that Matthew seems to be completely emphasizing here is the shame He's making that the big, big picture here. I mean, for the world, the last thing, shame is the last thing that people want to be associated with. The last thing people want to embrace is shame, right? We want to run from shame. We want to hide from shame. We want to medicate shame. But here, it's being amplified. The Apostle Paul even wrote, for the message of the cross is absolutely foolish, stupid, crazy to the world, people that are perishing. It doesn't make any sense. How can, how can embracing ultimate shame and humility be a road to faith, people say? How could that lead me to true faith? How could that lead me to God? How can the shame that Jesus went through on the cross be relevant to my life? I think we even think that sometimes, but the world especially. How could that be relevant to me? What does it have to do with having faith in God? What does the shame part have to... Okay, I get that he had to be sacrificed and killed, and that's shameful. But what about this emphasis on shame? Why? Number 10. The reality is that Jesus exemplified for us what genuine faith is by enduring the shame on the cross. See, Jesus is giving an example of what faith is. He's our, for lack of a better term, our older sibling here that gives us an example of what it means to have faith, of how important shame is and how important the shame that he took on is exemplified for us how to endure, endure, our, endure in faith. Jesus willing to stay on the cross and endure that shame is the ultimate example of, of helping us to be motivated to not only to have faith, but to persevere in our faith and then to grow in our faith. His example is amazing. Look what the writer of Hebrews says about why we should focus on Jesus, why we should look at him as our example in this whole area area of shame and how it helps us. Look what he says. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Look at what does he say? Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Number 11, how did Jesus ultimately deal with the shame of the cross? Paul says that he despised it, or quite literally made little of it. He didn't allow it to distract him from being faithful to the mission his father had given him. And this is so important, the unspeakable joy that doing so would ultimately bring what an example he was willing to just dis- I never understood why he was a despise it he despised it that literally means he makes little little of it it wasn't something he was going to give a lot of attention to he wasn't going to allow it to be a distraction this isn't why I'm here I'm here to overcome this this is just a small distraction <laughs> what all that we just went through that's a small distraction He wasn't going to allow it to be. He knew what his mission was. He knew what it meant to be obedient. And he was going to do everything, and he was not going to let that deter him at all. So how do we then, how do we endure and grow in our faith? I mean, how do we As followers of Jesus, keep from being distracted by the pressures of life, the the stuff that's coming at us all the time, just like an oncoming traffic. How do we do that? Ultimately, it's by looking to, by focusing on, by fixing our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus. Now, yo, you're thinking, oh, that sounds very good in Sunday school, Rob. But it's true because how often Do we get the difficulties And the distractions come at us and, the, and we definitely If not the last thing we do Is not think about The last thing we do is think about Jesus a lot of time right? Or the truth of who I am When I start to feel guilt When I start to feel shame My first Knee jerk reaction Is usually to figure a way To get out of that shame I don't know about you Or to medicate that shame by whatever means. Usually for me, it's like, I distract myself. Got it? Okay, got it? Yeah, whatever. But the lesson that we're getting here is that the shame was an amazing thing. For Jesus, that he didn't, so it was for, it was such a huge thing, but he didn't let it. He focused on his mission. When we are feeling shame, we need to focus on the truth of who we are in Jesus. Who am I in Christ? How does he see me? I know how I see me, I know how other people see me, but how does he see me? He did not let the shame distract him from. Doing what the Father, from being obedient to what God wanted, who God wanted him to be and what God wanted him to do. Paul goes on to say in that verse, I read only the first verse in 1 Corinthians, um, talking about faith, what faith is. He says, but to us who are being saved, it's foolishness to the world. The cross is, I mean. But look what it, to us who are being saved, it's the what of God power of God. You see, the soldiers, the crowd, the religious leaders, the passerbyers, the criminals, um, to them being, being crucified, to them and to many people today, they see what Jesus was portraying on the cross as a picture of weakness, not power. Look what they were able to do to him. We endured, number 12, on your notes, though. The truth is, though, that the power of the cross is displayed, believe it or not, in the shame of the cross. The power of the cross is displayed in the shame of the cross. It's Jesus' willingness. I read one, one, one commentator I read say, probably the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed was staying on the cross. I'd never heard that before. I thought, Wow so true, was staying on the cross. You see, it's Jesus's willingness to stay on that cross and endure the shame while there that gives those of us who have put our complete faith in him, gives us the power to overcome our sin, to overcome our fear, to overcome our, fe- our guilt, to overcome our, ch- our shame. And it gives us the courage to, like we talked about last week, allow God to do whatever it takes to have faith in him and to make us holy. Whatever it takes, God. It's because he was able to endure the shame. He, went to, he said, I'm not going to let that sidetrack me, the shame. Wow. I think we forget about how powerful that shame, that shaming must have been. It's not about see. It's not about mustering up the strength to grow in our faith. I don't know about you, but I'm tempted now. I got I got to work harder. I got to do this. I got to stop doing this, and I got to start doing that. To some extent, is okay. But it's not about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's about allowing ourselves get this to be weak, so that we can fully experience the power of the cross. does us not just go against everything inside you. It does me. I'm going to allow myself to be weak. Jesus allowed himself to look and appear weak. I need to be able to say, I need to just let go of my desires, what I think is best, so I can experience fully the power of the cross. Like we're going to look at next week, the, the power of the cross. Remember the mighty apostle. Remember big Apostle Paul? I'm, you know, the, the guy to look to. 2 Corinthians 12. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. You know what my, my last sentence in my notes here on my th- are, are on my sermon here? Thank you, God for the shame of the cross. Thank you for the shame of the cross. A little, let's get a little practical here. Let me ask you a couple questions. This is your time to participate. I know it's kind of a... Let me ask you this. And I'd like some responses. How might meditating, first question here, is that, yeah. How might meditating or reflecting on Jesus, enduring all that shame on the cross, help us to grow, uh, grow and persevere in our life? Because I think we all have been taught, let's look, look to Jesus. So we look at all this, we look at the triumphant Jesus. My question to you this morning is, how might meditating or reflecting on Jesus, enduring all that shame, Help us to persevere and grow in our faith. What do you think? There's no right answer here, by the way. Just whatever comes to your mind. Yes, Michelle. Mm. Totally. Yeah, that's a great one, Michelle. Knowing that Jesus went through it, he knows. but He felt the shame. Yeah, definitely. I know for me, one of the things that came to my mind right away was that verse that talked about before the joy set before him. Um, I know for me, I think what will help me after this is reminding myself that, that the joy of, there's joy in obedience even through the suffering that it brings. But there's joy. Remember it said the joy set before him. He knew that he was going to be sitting at the right hand of God, and there's no greater joy than being obedient to God, even when it just seems like this is crazy what i'm going through so that one's for me just kind of helped me realize wow there's gonna be joy at the end of this road as i'm obedient anybody else can you think of anything else yep it, passes. it passed it yeah it's not forever it's for could be for the moment or it could be just for our life but it is what's going to be over yeah good good mm 3.8. And it's help it helped me especially when I have trouble with forgiveness, you mm. forgiving somebody for something or receiving forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Just, just look at Jesus and uh, what what he refuse to give? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting that they don't they don't say this, but remember we see later listed later in the gospels that that uh, one of the, the one of the very th- Um, criminals that was shaming him and talking to him, somehow later while they're there during that time comes to realize, oh my gosh, he he tells the other one to shut up. (laughs) And says, wait a second, Uh, don't you realize who he is? And Jesus never, what would have been our thing? It'd be like, you were just mocking me. No, today I'm stoked because you're going to be in paradise with me, brother. That's just that's just awesome. All right, second question. In what ways do people try to, this is just a quickie, what ways do people try to have faith in Jesus on their own terms? We talked about the, all of you, come on down, you, you can do it, and then we'll believe. What are some ways that we do that? or people in the world do that, um, try to have faith in Jesus on their own terms? Kind of talked about a little bit last week. Exactly. Kind of like insurance salesman, insurance agent, Jesus, like we talked about last week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Good, Veronica. Anybody else? What are some ways that people try to have faith in Jesus on their own terms? Prosperity. Gospel. prosperity oh yeah. Prosperity gospel for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's kind of what I was But if like, I wasn't quite saying prosperity gospel, but I, my faith will grow in Jesus if he'll just get rid of this problem. I'll be, my faith in Jesus, I'll believe him if he'll just answer this prayer this way. Right? Don't we go there? Yeah, it is. And it really is. Talk about roots. That root is in the root of the prosperity gospel. That if my life is easier, which is interesting because everything in the New Testament that I read tells me that when you become a Christian, get ready. Because it's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard. It's not going to go your way. You died to yourself, so you you gave me the lease. You gave me the contract. You signed your your life is mine now, right? And you know I love you, right? And everything that I promised is all those things I said. <laughs> you know that, right? Okay, get ready. This is going to be a wild ride. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hate it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna it's gonna be amazing. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Exactly. Men's Bible study. We're starting James this next Tuesday night. Buckle. Your seatbelt. <laughs> Serious. Last one. Wait, Robert, yes. So when I when we wanna go to Jesus on our own terms and faith, we end up we end up making Jesus not Jesus anymore. Totally, yeah. So we want a yeah. God that we can control yep And yep. that Yeah. Yeah. Because of course God's American. He's Republican. He's, you know, of course that because that makes sense to me. You know, (laughs) exactly. That's, That's such a, such, such a good point. All right. Last, last one. Um, what are some things we can do that might help us to despise or think little of the things that distract us from keeping our focus on Jesus? Because remember, this, was the, this is kind of the theme here. He did not allow, he despised the shame. He thought little of the shame. How can we, what are some things that we can do? And this is a good time for us to help brothers and sisters out here, throw out some stuff that, how can we as a family, how can we help each other? What are some things that you can do individually even, that will help to despise or think little of the things that distract from keeping our focus on Jesus. Jesus had nothing to be ashamed of. The shame that he experienced was actually ours. Yeah. I feel ashamed that I don't feel ashamed of my own sin. Mm. Good point. Yeah. That's good. Get yeah it's good. Dave yes. perspective? I should be Yeah, exit, yes. Yeah, I put that, one of my answers is share with, be be transparent with others about our struggles and how we're struggling with that, and yeah. What else? What are some practice, what are some things that we can do that might help? Yep. Take time, yeah, take that time whether it's wherever, you know, start your day, all that stuff, focusing exactly on what, who Jesus is and who I am in Jesus, all that. Yes. Um, The other one I put down is ask God to reveal to me the distractions and for the strength to overcome them. Because I think a lot of times we don't even realize what we're being distracted by, right? I think we think that, okay, I'm doing things that I should be doing, but the reality is what's happening is the enemy has, okay, I'm just going to keep you in the dark on that one. You don't realize that that is distracting. So that's one I know for me is maybe just, just coming to God and say, help me to see the distractions. Help me to see what is in the way, even if it's just a speed bump. <laughs> help me to see what's in the way of keeping my focus on Jesus and focused on how God sees me. Yeah, Paul. Yes, yes. Thoughts. Have of yep. Yep. So easy to do that. So easy to do that. Yeah, great point. Become critical of others. All right, well, let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for your goodness once again and your faithfulness. God, this, the fact that you allowed your son, we didn't even talk about what this, pers- what this perspective might have been for you because it's not there, but I can't even imagine sending your son to be shamed and humiliated like that. Because you wanted to have a relationship with us. You wanted to be able to have a relationship where you could see us as righteous and holy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Like I said, thank you, God, for the shame of the cross. May we be able to embrace the power that comes from that because of what Jesus did and how he overcame. For the joy set before Him in doing His Father's will. That's our prayer. Help us, God, in Christ's name. Amen.